Welcome to the Downtown, brought to you by Arlington Citizen Media. I am Daryl Smith Jr., and across the internet for me is... I am Rody John. On today's show, we talk with Jeff Davis from College Park Center about how the College Park Center came to be, how the Dallas Wings came to Arlington, and what the future holds for the College Park Center. We also speak to Molly Horn with Alliance for Children about how they began, how they helped the community, and what you can do to help them. So happy new year, everyone. Happy we new year. It. We have a, it's a new year, new things happening. Uh, hopefully everyone's got new resolutions that they will keep throughout the entire year. Uh, and then I, I just can't wait to see what this year holds. I mean, we get into it with, uh, Jeff Davis, but they got a lot of announcements this year because I believe it's what the, the 20th anniversary, 10th, 10th anniversary, 10th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, which is still big, still yeah. cool. Um, I love the College Park Center. I think it's a, a really I, – I wish that we were able – I wish that Arlington spotlighted it more and it was used for more events. But as you get into in the interview as well, it's kind of hard to spotlight it as a, uh event center when you have multiple UTA teams in there all the time. That's a good problem to have, yes. and it's good for the University of Texas at Arlington. But it does make it harder to get some of those – uh other events because they may be uh, booked up by our UTA teams. Exactly. UTA teams and the Dallas Wings. Uh, there's a lot of schedules to be uh, mm-hmm. dealing with. But, you know, in the future, they, they do hope to do more things. Um, you know, uh, you know, we're not going to get too much into the interview because you got to listen to it. So, uh, <laughs> but it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, and yep. I learned a lot uh, while we were there because we went and talked to Jeff at the College Park Center. Learned a lot about it. Um it's again, I think it's an underrated gym. Right. And then he, he was, he gave us an incredible tour of the whole place, which is amazing. And then, you know, the interview we have with Molly Horn, um, you know, it's, it's a little heavy, but they mm-hmm. do good things. Um, it's, I mean, as we mentioned multiple times in that interview, it's unfortunate that they, you know, have to have exist, to exist, yeah. but they do and they help the community and help children and families, you know, be on the better side of, uh, abuse so yeah yeah i think both of these interviews while vastly different um go to the heart of what i love about the city of arlington and that's mostly uh people helping people building community um and being part of something bigger than them and and that both of these organizations do that um in different much different ways Yes, but, uh, but my goal for 2022 is, you know, more community, more, um, more inclusiveness between all the, the different parts of our city that are working towards what they think are separate goals, but really they're just all the same. And that's to make Arlington the best place it can be. And that's what I've loved so much about, you know, doing this podcast is that, we have met so many people and it is one of those things where everyone is genuinely rooting for the city and the people inside the city. It's not, we're trying to tear this person down because we don't like them or we don't like this business because these people run it or whatever. It doesn't matter. We're all in the same city uh, and we're all trying to help each other build this city up to where not only are people talking about Dallas and Fort Worth, but they're also talking about Arlington for obviously more than one, more than the reasons of the, the, amusement parks and the stadiums, uh, you know, people talk about the things that are happening here. Like the first Tiki bar in the DFW area was four kahunas, you know, the two breweries that are here, hopefully we get more, we never know. Uh, maybe we get some, uh, distilleries 
but, you know, mm. just other things uh, inside the city. So, you know, we hope to do uh, spotlight that more, bring more people together. Um, so 2022 is going to look fantastic. It's going to look a little different with our uh, schedule and how we do things here, but we're going to start bringing you more and different things this year mm-hmm. as well. Just be, be be on the lookout for that as we ease into the year. Um, obviously, COVID has reared its ugly head again with the new variant. Um, you know, be as safe as you can. But uh, that's where we're at. And we hope that, you know, as we get into 2022 and we start doing some different stuff, um, everyone will appreciate it. And we, we look forward to bringing it, uh, bringing it to you. Jeff Davis with the College Park Center at Arlington Hall. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. So you just took us on a, a fantastic tour yeah, of the yeah. of the center. Um, and the College Park Center was built back in 2012, mm-hmm. and is a two, sorry 218,000 square feet venue. It's not only the home to the UTA Mavericks, but also the WNBA Dallas Wings. How did the College Park Center come to be? Well, you know, for years, um, the university, you know, played on the, the, mm-hmm. the stage of Texas Hall, mm-hmm. our athletic program. Um, you know, Texas Hall actually was kind of an interim facility. Mm-hmm. You know, early huh. on, the idea was that would be a temporary home court oh, gotcha. for, for our Mavericks, <laughs> and we would, and the university would build a coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's back in, you know, talking about 65, sure, you know, sure. when Texas Hall opened. And so the, the plan was maybe, you know, a few years, you know, as it, the university looked at a coliseum, and you know, you fast forward, and it just never happened. Mm-hmm. It never happened. Mm-hmm. So, as as we were coming into, you know, the current age, and the university was growing, we were starting to outgrow Texas Hall for some of our commencement programs and things like that. It just it really became a need for the university to make it a priority. Right. Um, so, College Park Center really came out of the need from the university's perspective to have a true home court for our, mm-hmm. our athletic program. Um, as well as to meet the needs for a growing university right. with our commencements and convocations. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a student when all of that was uh, going down. My my ex-wife was a student whenever it got voted on. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool to hear that. I wasn't a student yet. Um, and then I came and I saw some games at Texas Hall, kind of like we talked about earlier. And I was like, well, this is a unique venue, but it's not really a basketball right. venue, like traditionally, mm-hmm. like when you when you think about it. Um, to sit in a theater seat. Sure, yeah, like, like, like we talked about. It. it was it was really cool, and I went to several games that season because I went to the first one, and I said, you know what? And I was yeah. a student, so I was getting in for free, and I was like, you know what? This is cool. It's a very nice uh, way to spend two hours. A very comfortable way right. to spend two hours. You know, it, it's interesting because you look at the stage of Texas Hall. I mean, it's and it's a huge stage because right. it obviously can fit a basketball, basketball court. court. <laughs> and then off the back side of that was you know as you're. You probably remember there was bleacher seating, so you had bleacher seating. Sort of students were, you know, right? you had students. You had bleacher seating on the back side of a stage. You had a court on the stage, and then you had the theater seating up front. Um, and that bleacher seating was one of the first things to go once we opened the, uh, the arena. It was like we did not want basketball. <laughs> so at the time, it's like you know, we, you know, we don't ever want basketball back on the stage. We want it to be a theater, yeah, um, sure. you know. And so, you know, you know, it was one of the very first things, you know, in Texas Hall, get you know, take the bleacher seating out, you know, and, and really, you know, make that more of a theater. But it's it's 
you know, it, it was a very unique you yes. know, experience. One hundred. I'm glad that I got to do it at least once, or at least the, the handful of times I did, because I'd heard about it while I was mm-hmm. here, and I just never made the time to come to a game. Then when I did, I was like, okay, this is cool. And now having come to a game at College Park Center, I love College Park Center. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great home mm-hmm. for the Mavericks. Uh, but at the same time, like you're talking about, it kind of takes away the uniqueness of watching a game, basically, and what's a giant like theater, you know? Like, so that's cool that I did it, and, but I'm glad that you know we're here and we're at such a great facility now. Yeah, right. So uh, the College Park Center has recently received the Global Biorisk Advisory Council Star, which means you have implemented uh, you know, very stringent cleaning and disinfecting policies. What implements did you all put into place uh, at the center during COVID or now? Um, you know, so the, the, the GBAC certification, that, um, you know, that really was born, you know, during COVID, mm-hmm. um, during the early days of it. So, um, you, know, as, it, you know, as an industry, you know, vineyard industry, we were looking for what can we do to ensure and provide assurances to, you know, not only, you know, the patrons and guests that come to our facilities, but, you know, for performers and clients that, that you know, we're, you know, taking the, the you know, you know, every effort we can, we're, you know, putting in the best protocols we can to ensure that the environment's safe. Right. Um, so we were, we were one of the, you know, the early adopters, you know, for the GBAC certification. We were the first collegiate venue um, in the state of Texas to get the GBAC certification. It's a big place. Congratulations. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so we were, you know, we were one of the first ones, you know, from that standpoint. There were a few other arenas and some, you know, primarily hotels and convention sure. centers at the mm-hmm. time when we started our process. And it's, and it was a very, long stringent process because you know the the certification looks at everything that you do you know your protocols you know how often you're cleaning how you know what you're doing from touch points um and then what you're doing specifically you know to address you know not only just covid but just anything that's transmissible Um, and so uh, you know in our process we we took a step back and looked at everything we did we you know so part of that changed how often we touch you know clean clean touch points you know high touch point surfaces handrails door Mm, handles mm -hmm. Um, we looked at the products that we're using, making sure that it's the most effective products. Um, some of our protocols, you know, that, that we changed, you know, with electro, electrostatic spraying, uh, uh, locker rooms, green rooms, and, and, you know, arena bowl seating. You know, so we added some new protocols in that aspect. So a lot of it really was just, you know, increasing our frequency, mm-hmm. um, you know, reviewing the products. And, and then a big piece of it is just making sure that the quality controls there. So, you know, what are the measures to, to you know, that if we say that we're doing it, how do we, to, know? How, how do we know that we're actually doing it and how are we documenting that? Right. So a big piece of the change was, is more on the back end to, to be able to say that yes, we are actually cleaning these surfaces as regularly as, as we say we, you know, as we publish and say we're going to. Right. Um, so that was our biggest change on the protocol. There, um, it's it's one of those I, I I think from the venue perspective, I, I step back and look at it and scratch my head now and go, why weren't we, we doing we do? this? Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. You know, it just makes sense of you know yeah. these these are high touch point surfaces. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they cleaned? Mm-hmm. You know, on a, on a thirty minute cycle, you know, during during events. During yeah, like when when all you these know. people are in this place anyway, because mm-hmm. it's not like this is the only transmissible yep. disease that we yep. you know have. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's you get yeah. a common cold, yeah. all that the stuff. Flu, and so you know, you know yeah. so it, it it you know really changed the way that we look at you know cleaning right. um, of facilities. And so a lot of those protocols are just things that we're we're adopting as. You know, as we go forward, and we'll maintain because it's just it's the right thing to do. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, agreed. Which I, I I've, I've said before. I hope that a lot of a lot of these things that we've done to go. Oh yeah, like maybe we could. Uh, you know, and maybe it'll cut down the cold. Maybe it'll cut down the flu. Maybe it'll cut down any other thing that we've gotten. Because I know, like, I went to New York one time. Oh no, I went to Washington. That's what DC. 
and I got a cold. Mm-hmm. Somehow, you know, touching a surface or running, mm-hmm. the, you know, being close face to face with someone. It was my honeymoon. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, we still had like half a week left on my honeymoon, and I'm you know, got, I got this terrible cold that turned into a sinus infection, and I'm just like, I love you so much, honey. Thank you for doing this with me. Right. I got to go to bed now. It's six o'clock. But you know, I got it at some point because of a dirty surface, or mm-hmm. you know, me not washing my hands enough, or you know, so to. Think about being in a. It makes me feel better knowing that, like, when I come to College Park Center, right. that I won't. That'll be one less thing, you know, that I mm-hmm. have to worry about and be like, I know that they're doing good stuff here, so it's a, a clean facility, and I'll feel okay being here, you know, not like right. oh, I'm gonna get like some crazy disease. Right. Yeah. Now, not only during uh, COVID did y'all get this award, but you guys have also made some other improvements in the venue that you were telling us beforehand. We we have so you know you're. COVID, obviously, from an event operations, you know, it's, it's not ideal. Right. Um, because we end up <laughs> right. with a whole lot of extra time on our hands, yeah. you know, as, as, as event people. Um, so we took, you know, we took that opportunity. We uh, completely came in and, and retrofitted and replaced our entire sports lighting system in the right. arena. So it's uh, it's a system by Moscow Products. They're, they're Moscow Sports Lighting, their LED sports lighting. And it's, you know, it's the same system that you'd see in Madison Square Gardens right. and several of the other major arenas. Um, and it really just gives the arena bowl um, a true, you know, a true professional sports feel. Um, it, it looks great on broadcast. Yeah. Um, it's you know that was the design of our you know other our previous lighting system was was for our lead certification for the building, but it, it had a lot of light spill into the you know into the seating area. Right. So this you know really you know you know almost gets a theatrical feel. For sports, it really and, and, does. That, and that the arena seating bowl kind of goes dark, you know, right. and fades off into the dark, and so the focus really becomes what's happening on the floor, as it should be, um, you know. And so it's 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 a you know great addition from that standpoint. Um, with the sports lighting, we're able to wash the arena in, in just about any color we want to. So right. it you know from a fan experience and engagement, I mean, it, it just has a complete different feel and different energy. I'm excited. So yeah. we, I'm going to come here and hopefully see those lights. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, should, you should. We, we, you know, we, we rolled it out for the first time, I said, with the Dallas Wings this past summer. Um, it's the first time we really got to use it. We had it in place for our, our sports you know team last year, you know, for our UTA Athletics. Um, but, you know, with, with COVID protocols, there really wasn't a lot. Yeah. You know, there wasn't really a lot to, re- to really highlight yeah. the, the capabilities. So this, this is the <laughs> first year we've really gotten to do it. The, <laughs> the, the, family, the family in the court, right, or in the, in the arena right now. Yeah. So, you know, this was the first, you know, first season to really get to, to, you know, to put that system to use. And so it's, uh, it, it's been a great addition. Uh, it, just, it completely just changes the whole feel of, right. of an event. And, and it's not just, you know, for sports. I mean, it, we, we can use that same lighting system for, you know, any event that, mm-hmm. we, that we have in the building because of its you know, flexibility. Yeah. Um, so that was a major, you know, upgrade that we did during, uh, mm-hmm. during COVID protocol, you know, our COVID time. Um, the, you know, another, you know, say the GBAC was a certification we pursued during that time. Um, we also, you know, uh, launched a partnership with Culture City. Okay. Um, and so we're now in a sensory inclusive venue. Yeah. Right. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and that's, that's been one that's, it's, it's, you know, you know, it's it's you know, kind of you know, a little personal to me. You know, just you know, you know, working with you know, people that have you know sensory needs. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be autism or, or you know anything you know anything else. Um, you know, just being able to make sure that we're offering the best environment yeah. and that we're inclusive for everyone. For that. Yeah. And so um, that's uh, we had started that process. You know, and we were you know, looking at you know having that partnership roll out in the summer of twenty. 
Um, we delayed that, you know, until <laughs> yeah. until this past. Uh, there was nothing. There was no events to roll it out with, right. you know, during twenty. Um, um, so we just launched that um, this past summer, um, our, our partnership, and so we're now a sensory inclusive venue. We've yeah. got, um, you know, so if, if guests come that have sensory needs, we've got you know sensory bags that are available to be checked out. You know, the noise canceling headphones, the fidget toys, the weighted blankets. Um, we're working on you know kind of our next phase with that is actually creating a sensory room. Mm, um, awesome. So we're you know in some spaces that you know so you can just step out from the noise, yeah, and sure. come into a yeah. quiet environment, you know, and then you know come back in and, and rejoin the event so that's so great yeah. like such a great thing for a a, a a place that thrives on you know noise and, and loudness mm-hmm. um to offer to people who are like because i you know I, I i i understand like sometimes for me i'm like i got this is too loud i gotta get right. out of here, you know like it's yep. too much for me so i gotta get out so i i imagine having something like that here would be incredible mm-hmm. for for people that are that are you know dealing with those with those things yeah. yeah, I mean, we were at Mass Court Garden one time, and you had cluster I had a cluster headaches. headache. Yeah, yeah. I and did. So we had actually. to sit in the hallway. There's no, there nowhere for me to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have anywhere. Like I'm like sitting in the hallway, and the cops like you can't be here. And I'm just like I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like I can't. The light is killing me right mm-hmm. now. And um, but yeah, if I had had somewhere like that, uh-huh. you know, it would have been really great to Mass Court Garden. Get on this. <laughs> <What are> you... <laughs> oh, uh, how dare they? I know. Yeah. So, from online sources, it says that you were partly responsible for bringing the Dallas Wings to the College Park Center. How did that come to be? Um, yeah, so I was, you know, part of the team here at the university mm-hmm. when we were working with the, uh, you know, the early phases of, of a professional, you know, tenant here in the building. Um, What's well, really interesting, the you know the connection with that actually came through one of our high school graduations. Oh, really? Uh, we actually had you know a, an individual that came to one of our you know our high school ceremonies here. Mm-hmm. It was his first experience with the building. Um, he had connections with um, what was the Tulsa Shock and mm-hmm. okay. that organization, um, that management group at the time. Um, and so the early conversations were, were centered around, you know, is it, it, it is it an expansion team? You know, it, mm-hmm. it really wasn't, you know, th- you know, discussions of relocating a team. Yeah. We, we were we were all thinking of, you know, a possible a expansion. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so we were one of the markets that in DFW that was being considered for that. And so, uh, so myself and and you know our executive director at the time, you know, and, and the university administration, we were all kind of working with what that might look conceptually and then you know kind of late in the game as you know i realize late in the game you know after almost probably a year of conversations of what this <laughs> might what this might could look like you know these things don't ever happen fast sure, in, yeah. in sports and you know and moving teams sometimes they do but in this case it was you know so you, you know so kind of late you know late in that, that process it was you know it started shifting from the potential of expansion to you know relocation of mm-hmm. a team right. um, and so you know i think it was just a combination of you know you know, right place, right time, and that we had an individual that saw the building, hadn't experienced, you know, as, you know, was one of the things I mentioned when we were walking around, you know, early on is that, you know, the design of the building, we, you know, our administration didn't want this to have a collegiate feel. They wanted yeah. to have a feel of a professional arena. Right. You know, so while it's on a college campus and there are some collegiate elements to it, we wanted it to be very neutral and, and mm-hmm. very, you know, professional feeling, you know, in terms of finishes and the type of flooring and those things. Yeah. And so, the experience that the, you know this individual had walking into the building, it was the same experience you know as if you were walking into American Airlines Center yeah, or some other yeah. arenas, and so you know that was that really is kind of what started the ball rolling. You know, so 
you never know in this business, you know, yeah. how a high school high school graduation right. ceremony led right. to a professional <laughs> sports team. <laughs> well, I mean, that just goes to show how how impressive the building is. And I yeah. think the first time I walked in here, um, I, that was the, kind of the same feeling I had, where I was like, "Whoa, this is a yeah. this is a UTA. <laughs> this is really cool." Um, and very, I, 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 you say American Airlines Center, I kind of think that was kind of the vibe that I got when yeah. I walked in. I was like, "Oh, this feels like." Because uh, I think that I was watching wrestling or something here. Right. I think it was Impact. And uh, it was, yes. Or TNA at the um, time, I should say. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I remember being like, whoa, this is like what it feels like when I go watch WWE yeah. at, at American Airlines Center. Like, it feels good. It feels mm-hmm. very, like you said, very, like, professional and very, um, I don't want to say trendy, but it feels like that sort of style where, like, you have a modern and contemporary, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Like, it doesn't feel like it's on... A college campus and has been here for yeah. sixty years, you know, because it hasn't. Right. It's brand new. Yeah, but yeah. I say, you know, we still have people walk in the building, and it's hard to believe we're coming up on ten years, yeah. and yeah. people are still amazed that they look at it and go, "This building's almost ten years old." It, it, it doesn't show, feel that It way. shows like mm-hmm. it's you know, you know, only a couple years old, mm-hmm. right. and so it's, you know, are you, you know, are, I'm very you know pleased with our, our university and the administration and our facilities group, the amount of work that they put into this building to keep it up, because yeah. um, it still shows extremely well. Right. It does. I graduated um, from Martin, and we graduated out of TCU, mm-hmm. and so that does look like an old basketball state, like yes, college basketball. Yes. I mean, it is. It yeah. is pretty old, but, uh, and it feels like it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we talked a little bit about some of the events that that uh, College Park Center's hosted. You know, you've done boxing concerts, uh, including uh, Drake. Uh, Pro wrestling's been here. The NIT tournament has been here. What does the future hold for College Park Center's events? You know. I- I think a little bit of everything is, is still in our future. So, you know, we, you know, we have, you know, as we discussed, you know, we got four sports mm-hmm. tenants yeah. that play in the building. So, a, a big part of our calendar is centered around four different teams. Um, you know, I, I, as I talk to colleagues around the country, I go, you know, who else has four sports yeah. teams in their <laughs> <Right>. arena? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, which is good and bad. I mean, yeah. it's great that we got four different teams that play, and you right. know, that you know those, those you know those set schedules and you yeah. know and, and those dates. Um, but that also, you know present some challenges Challenge. on, on mm-hmm. you know what else comes through the building you know right. when you're looking at dates and you know how you you know, fit things into a calendar um let's say 10 months out of the year i've got a wood court that's yeah. down on the arena floor and i got to work around a court and you know right. and to schedule things but um you know we are you know we are you know doing some shifts with with our programming we know that it's been very sports heavy in mm-hmm. the past um, we've had some good you know some great events with wwe and yeah. you know, some of the wrestling we've had some boxing come through you know we're you know certainly keep those partnerships going um, we are shifting a little bit to see where we can get more on the entertainment side, Very you know, nice. between, you know, the concerts and, you know, whether it's music, you know, uh, comedy, those types of shows. Yeah. Oh, so man. we're, we got a new focus, you know, going in that direction that, you know, that you'll start seeing over the next, you know, couple of years uh, with more events, you know, you know, really diversifying the calendar is what we're, is what we're after right now. Right. And you kind of mentioned that you can't announce anything yet, but the 10 year anniversary is next year. And so there mm-hmm. would be a lot more things to look forward to. There would be a lot to look forward to. Yes, we're yeah, February first is is our ten year right. um, of the of the building. So we we've got some plans and some things that you know not quite ready to announce yet of what, <laughs> what that will look like. You know, but it, you know the celebration will will be certainly more than just right around the first of February. So right. we're we're looking at some things that will extend throughout the entire year. That's awesome. Now, we have a segment on the show called Tournament of Toppings. We're trying to find the best pizza place in Arlington. Do you have a favorite pizza place in Arlington? 
you know, I, I don't really in, in, in Arlington, you know, because okay. I, I, you're more of a mid-cities yeah. uh, resident, so I, I've got my go-to up in, you know, outside of Arlington. That's fine. We're yeah, outside yeah. of Arlington. We love, we <laughs> tell us where the good pizza is. Yeah, we love pizza in all cities, really. You know, so, so that, it's funny you bring up pizza because, you know, my, my wife and I, when we, when we moved over to this side of town, we, we used to live in Garland. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, hadn't worked in the, the, mm-hmm. the building mm-hmm. over there. And, yeah. You know, uh, we, we were looking for a really good pizza place, and she's very particular on you know <laughs> kind of on more of a, a, of a thin crust okay. and what she okay. likes. Um, and so we were trying several, and we actually found uh, the the Nizza Pizza that's right up in Colleyville, off oh. of Glade, Glade Road um, in that area. It's, okay. is, is our go to now. Okay. Um, I've okay. not. I didn't know there was one over there. So yeah, so that one over there is, okay. is, is her favorite. I, I can't get her to try anything. Else. <laughs> well, you know, um, so, when you find good pizza, it's yeah. uh, you know you want to you want to keep eating that pizza. So sure. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Bex needs pizza here is fantastic. That is also, the Bex needs so. pizza here is very very good. Um, all right. Well, if people would like to you know see what events are coming to College Park Center, you know just see what's happening here. How can they do that? Um, you know, the best way, you know, uh, utacollegepark.com is our website. Um, we also, you know, utatickets.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, the UTA Tickets is going to have, you know, more than just what's happening in the arena. Yeah. Um, I get know, the that's, email. That's, yeah, so well. <laughs> you know, so you can sign up for the, the emails there. But, you know, that's going to, you know, show you what's happening on the, the campus in general mm-hmm. between, you know, Texas Hall, you know, Irons Recital Hall, some of the other facilities. Um, so we do, we manage ticketing for all events. Um, but really, that's, that's probably our best way to see what's going on. You know, you know, say keep keep a close eye on the website. You know, for some announcements here before too long on, on our tenure. I think those UTA tickets uh, emails have definitely mm-hmm. clued me into some things. I'm like, oh, cool, that's happening. That's true. There's a lot of times I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, that's a personal endorsement from yes. me right there. <laughs> it's not an email you're going to just delete. <laughs> right. You're exactly. going to be like, oh, okay, I actually do want to see what's happening here. So, Jeff, thank you so much for yeah. your time and the tour. Uh, we look forward to seeing more stuff here, obviously at yep. College Park, uh, and hopefully working more in the future. All right, absolutely. Cool. Thank, Thank you. We're here with Molly Horn with the Alliance for Children. How are you today, ma'am? I am fantastic. Thank you. So the Alliance for Children will be celebrating 30 years next year, and you've benefited over 60,000 children in Tarrant County. How did the Alliance for Children begin? So actually, it's 63,000. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's good. I mean, which is good and bad. But uh, we got started because there was a nationwide movement to establish children's advocacy centers, and um, a lady named Paula Hightower Pearson back then just Paula Hightower, was uh, her daughter worked for Child Protective Services. Mm -hmm. And through that, had kind of heard about the Children's Advocacy Center movement and thought, hey, we should bring this to Arlington. Mm -hmm. This is something that Tarrant County could really benefit from. So um, Paula Hightower got some movers and shakers together and uh, started the first movement for a Children's Advocacy Center in Tarrant County. Mm -hmm. Um, Back then, we had a different name and different, you know, different people running the place, but, um, Nancy Hagen was our original executive director mm-hmm. and she really kind of, you know, boots on the ground. She got this thing going and started serving kids just by herself that wow. first year. And, uh, through our first year, 1992, we were able to serve 500 kids. Mm-hmm. 
And that has, of course, gone up. Now we have centers in Fort Worth, Lakeside, Hearst, and Arlington. And um, now we serve an average of about 2,500 kids every year. Wow. Which, again, is good and bad. Yeah, it's yeah. good and bad. You know, we we like to say that we wish that we didn't have to exist. Sure. You know, yeah. we wish that our services weren't needed and child abuse never happened. Right. But um, as it stands, child abuse does happen. And so our services are sorely needed. Um, and we want to be that first line of defense for kids. You know, we want children and their protective families to know that we are here for them, for every single child who walks through our door. Right. So you, you mentioned that you have centers in Fort Worth, Hearst, uh, Arlington, and Lakeside. Lakeside. Um, w- w- what do you offer at these centers? What happens uh, when, when children... So I'll give you kind of a, um, just a, you know, day in the life. Um, basically what happens is when a kid has been abused, they make an outcry to someone, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's their teacher, a softball coach, a parent, a cousin, you know, another friend, sure. could be anybody. Uh, and... What we hope is that that person reports it. Um, you may not know that in Texas, every adult is a mandated reporter for child abuse. Oh. In some states, you have to be, you know, you have to be a nurse or a doctor or something to report it. But here in Texas, so every anyone single, could be anyone. like, "I've heard that this is happening." Absolutely, you need to go check and this out. we really, really encourage people to make that report. Um, so we set up um, an interview for the child. Uh, let me back up a little bit. Sorry. Um, before we set up the interview, the child goes through, or the case goes through kind of an investigation process where our staff decides, is this criminal level? Mm-hmm. You know, is this, is this neglect where, you know, mom stepped out of the room for five minutes, or is this a criminal level case? Right, right. And those are the cases that we take on. Um, so the child is brought in for what's called a forensic interview, mm-hmm. which is an interview with a trained staff member who specializes only in this. That's the only thing they do is talk to kids about what's happened to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the family, whoever the protective family members are, will go through our family advocacy services. So um, that may be something as simple as, you know, getting their electric bill paid or getting a gas card so that they have money to get to work and back. Um, Could be higher than that. It could be, you know, that the perpetrator, the alleged perpetrator was uh, the breadwinner for the family. Mm -hmm. And now they've been removed Mm -hmm. from the home. Mm -hmm. And so the family has no way to pay rent. So we have family advocates who work to um, make sure that those families are taken care of. Uh, many cases go through the court system, a lot of plea bargains. We got a lot of perpetrators who um, go ahead and admit guilt so that the case doesn't have to go to trial. Mm-hmm. And um, we have staff, again, who walk alongside the children and the family to get them through that court process. And the other aspect of, of our services is what we call healing services. So group and individual counseling for kids and their protective caregivers who um, are, you know, the abuse has happened. They're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. They're ready to move on the road to healing, to get to, to be happy again, to mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. live a normal childhood and right. not have to live under this, you know, specter of abuse. Um we do have a graduation ceremony for counseling for kids who have been through. It's generally about a 16-week program, but it, it that can vary. Right. Um, but so, you know, the kids, when they finish their counseling, they get to graduate. And they get to, you know, they get that, um, you know, pride and knowledge that they have really yeah. overcome such a terrible thing right. and, and moved on. You know, that they've moved past that trauma and they don't have to let it define them. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about um, some of the services and, and things you do. Do you work with like other agencies in the metropolitan area to you know facilitate some of that stuff? Or yes and no. Okay. Um, we don't directly uh, like contract with sure. any other agencies, but we do, of course, um, work in tandem with you know ACH Child right. and Family Services or the CASA Volunteers or um, the Women's Center. You know, whoever this these other nonprofits might be right. that that their services kind of co-align with what what we offer. We had talked to Arlington Life Shelter uh, mm-hmm. fairly recently, and they had talked about that, and it had never really been a thing that I had thought about, these nonprofits like hand-in-hand working yeah. together right. to kind of make a safety net in a lot of cases that, you know, that may not exist otherwise. So I, I just, you know, I wanted to see if that was... It sound, I just, it's, it's like obviously sounded like something that right. I was in, the, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, that was... You yeah. Know, that was ha- and it's good. I'm glad that it's happening, right? That's what you want to see. You don't For want sure. to be like, we're just doing it on our own. Right. We don't, yeah. You know, anyone else. Like, it's all the same uh, goal, so you'd want to work with people, that, like-minded Absolutely. individuals and groups. Yeah, because unfortunately, a lot of times, like you said, some of the caregivers um, or the, the breadwinners, unfortunately, are the abusers as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you take that away... They sometimes, unfortunately, become homeless, or they the families do leave the person instead of going through the proper channels, like through y'all. So, unfortunately, they may also deal with the life shelter because of the fact mm-hmm. that, well, they don't have a home now, yeah. and they're out of an abusive relationship, which is good. That they're out of it. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that absolutely the other aspect of it. Yeah, and you know, our goal is really for every family to be able to move past this. Yeah. You know, to like I said, to not let it define them. And part of that sometimes is, you know, finding a new place to live mm-hmm. or, you know, we have several, all the, t- you know, every year we have several families who don't have transportation. Mm-hmm. And um, those are things that we would work with other nonprofits to try to get, you know, to get that family a car or at the very minimum, you know, a bus pass or, right, right. you know, something so that they can get um, to, and, to and from work or to and from, you know, our services mm-hmm. that, that they can bring the kids in for their counseling. Now, April is, which is coming up, is Child Abuse Prevention Month. What can people do to help prevent child abuse all year round? Not just just April. I think, yes, great great question. Um, I think my best recommendation would be to listen. Hmm. To know and to to let these kids know, any any kids, any kids in your life, um, to let them know that you're a trusted adult, that you are a safe place, that they can come to you if something bad has happened to them. Also, we do offer classes. We offer community education, which is free. And we offer courses on how to, how to recognize the signs of child abuse, how to prevent child abuse in your community. And April being Child Abuse Prevention Month is a huge month for us as mm. far as promoting those kind of education. But we have those all year long. Right. And we're happy to come to you. You know, we, we can come to your church or to your organization and do a class. Um, they're off, offered in both English and Spanish. Mm. So anybody that wants to learn more about preventing child abuse on their, you know, by the, out of their own volition yeah. um, can absolutely come and take one of our free classes and um our website also allianceforchildren.org has uh, quite a bit of information about recognizing the signs and symptoms of abuse and being able to prevent abuse in your community right that's amazing thanks <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is it really yeah. is like i mean i was i was thinking about you know how that sort of thing in a community like kind of we were talking about before we started recording like this is like a very you, when you're in your community, this is what you deal with on a daily basis. It's right. who you talk to on a daily basis. It's who you interact with. 
Um, so to have that sort of resource in your community is really um, encouraging, sure. uh, you know, that it's out there. I, I had no idea, you know, like before right. this interview. Um, and hopefully we can help other people realize, you know, hey, yeah. this is out there. You can there's information that you can you can also help stop this, you know. And I think that, that that's really empowering. I think it's it's a good thing to do. Right. It's like you deputize like everyone yes. almost. Yeah. We um, want everyone, every adult, kids too, but we want every adult sure. to feel empowered right. that they can they can prevent abuse right. and they can help recognize abuse and they can make a difference in the life of a child. Yeah, better that. And then you all have some partnerships as well. So. Also get the name out if you want to tell us, tell us about some of this. Um, we partner with a lot of um, you know businesses who support us. Um, one that we're working with right now is Kendra Scott, the right. jewelry mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. They um, they do a lot to kind of help you know put effort back into the community and help out. Um, we're working with uh, Lawnsmith Roofing. Roofing recently did right. yeah. a, a big give back for our Christmas connection. Mm-hmm. You know they provided. Quite a few toys. Um, I've for... seen their signs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're well known. Um, but you know, it, I could sit here all day and list everybody who helps us out. But um, I think what we want people to know about those partnerships mainly is that anyone, any any citizen of Arlington, any citizen of Tarrant County, mm-hmm. they can help. They yeah. can make a difference. And you know, not to be trite, but even a dollar. You know, even if all you've got is $1, that's still going to help to make a difference in the life of a kid. And, um, that's really what we want everyone to know is that, um, we are able to provide our services free of charge to families because of people in the community who give Mm -hmm. back to us. And it can't, you know, we get a lot of donations from church groups. Um, Eric Herstrom, the pastor at Lake Church here in Arlington, he's on our board of director. He just finished his term on our board of directors. Um, but, uh, you know, we just want everyone to know that they are empowered to make a difference and that, you know, whether it's through their pocketbook, whether it's through volunteering, whether it's through sharing our posts on social media, Mm -hmm. you know, really anything you can do is making it, you are absolutely making a difference in the life of these kids. Well, we're going to turn just a little bit. Uh, we have a fun question we like to ask everyone. Uh, we've, been, we've been trying to figure out for two years yeah. <laughs> the best pizza place in Arlington. COVID kind of slowed it down because we weren't going to as many places. But do you have a favorite pizza place in Arlington? I don't because That's I'm okay. not from That's Arlington. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Well, where's your favorite pizza place where you are? Uh, so I live in Fort Worth. Okay. Um, a lot of good pizza places. I would say Connie Rosso. Okay. Is... I mean, we have one of those here, yeah. so, so yeah. <laughs> that works. And it's, I'm partial because I eat gluten-free, and okay. have, yeah. they have yeah. gluten-free pizza. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they're, them, them and their uh, sister location of Zoli's and oh, Fort Worth are both just so, oh, man, they're so good. So They are good. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they're here, uh, just a short <laughs> distance from where we are, actually, so... Right. I eat there a lot. I haven't eaten there in a while, actually. I need to go back, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're reminding me. I'm like, <laughs> no, my girlfriend, I love the app. any appetizer we try at the least. Yeah. And then they have really good cocktails as well. Yeah. yeah. Plus, it's a fun atmosphere. Right. Mm-hmm. Used to be a radiator shop over here That's in Arlington. True. You know, it still sells it outside. Still does. Still does. <laughs> That's inside. awesome. Yeah. And they use a Hurtado barbecue for the. Yeah, for some of their oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 So. Even better. Exactly. That's Well, I'm going to have to come try the Arlington location. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. fun. It has a great patio. Yeah. I mean, there's a great location, the Fort Worth. Yeah, because you know, I think they're all pretty great. I've had the one in Grant, and I've been to the one in Carrollton, the one in Deep Ellum. Like, they're all great. Yeah, they know what's up. (laughs) 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 (la
if I'm in Deep Ellum, I'm getting serious pizza. Just well, I agree with that too because yeah. the slices are yeah. as big as my head. But uh, I'm, and I'm gonna have with, to try oh, that too. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, they're massive and yeah. good. It's good. It's oh, not just it's not just quantity. It is yeah. quality as yes. well. So, so if people want to learn more about the Alliance for Children and uh, find you online, how can they do so? So our website is allianceforchildren.org. Mm-hmm. We are also on Facebook. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, just search Alliance for Children Tarrant. Right. Uh, or sometimes there are other organizations called Alliance for Children sure. in other places in the United States. So right. you might need to specify that we're the Tarrant County location. Um, but yeah, we, we post all the time on <laughs> social media. <laughs> and we would love, we, I mean, I'm the one who does it. I'm the social sure, media sure, manager. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, okay. you know, it, it fills my heart when someone shares one of our posts yeah. or, you know, even if you just click the little heart button, you know, to like our post, that, that makes me feel good. It makes me know, it lets me know right. that, that you really care and right. that you are invested in improving the lives of these children. And you stop scrolling for that second to <laughs> yes. you just do that. At least, yes, yes at lot. least, right? Yeah. 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 A lot of times like, nope, just keep going. Yeah. And, but no, like it's, this is generally we all know some story of yeah. an abusive yeah. children or mm-hmm. relationships or anything, mm-hmm. and so the fact that you guys are actually out here helping just hopefully stop it at yeah. some point, um, that's fantastic, and we thank you for that. Yes, well, absolutely. Thank you. We yeah. couldn't do it without the people in the community. And is if there's anything we haven't touched on, please um, feel free. I would like to um, just mention yeah. our. The services that we offer specifically. Sure. Um, I've got some numbers. <laughs> so last year, the 2020-2021 year, we served almost 2,500 kids. And um, something that we saw, if I can talk about COVID for a second. Sure. Right. Um, something that we saw through COVID is that uh, kids were locked at home yeah. with people that might be abusing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, our reports dropped drastically in that first month or so, two months of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, kids weren't in school. Mm-hmm. They were at there's home. There's not people like saying, Hey, mm-hmm. I think there's no, something there's no eyes here, on them. Right? Yeah. There's no teachers looking out. <clears throat> um, and alcohol sales are through the roof. Uh-huh. And they were yeah. already at home. So well, and I mean, I of... love my kids and I, there were definitely some <laughs> stressful times when we first started the pandemic. So I understand yeah. the stress levels for everyone, everyone. Right? were elevated. And right. And you put that into mm-hmm. a child, into a position like that, where they don't have the people who might've advocated for them, who, you know, who don't, who are in a higher stressful situation. I mean, it's kind of a recipe for disaster really. So we saw um, when school started back up in the fall, our numbers, our, our reports did start to increase. Um, but what we really saw was in March of this year, in March of 21, we saw the highest number of reports of abuse in our entire 30-year history. Mm. And we, you know, we're not researchers, so I can't say 100% <laughs> sure, right, right. that it's because of COVID, but uh, we're pretty sure that that was the effects of COVID mm-hmm, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and that these kids were now back in school and back around their sports teams mm-hmm. and their aunts and uncles and their friends and their churches and um, people were looking out. And we are so, so grateful that those people picked up the phone and made a report. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, uh, we also educated over 31,000 kids last year. We do, um, as I talked about free education courses, we do those for kids in schools right. where we go out to elementary schools and teach kids how to, how to be safe and how to recognize if something that's happening to them isn't safe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I do want to mention the hotline, if you want to report mm-hmm. abuse, is 1-800-252-5400. And that is the direct line to Department of Family and Protective Services. Also, you know, if you can call 911. If you suspect that abuse is happening, we encourage you to please pick up that phone and call. Um, because you could, make the, you could be the one who makes yeah. the difference in that child's life. Right. Well, I guess uh, on a lighter note, <laughs> you do get these uh, terrible cases uh, during the day. But what are some of your um, favorite stories of stuff coming or people coming out of this on the brighter side? Oh gosh, um, let me talk about our camp. Okay. Um, so in the spring and summer every year, we have what's called Camp Blue, right. and that is a chance for kids who have graduated from our counseling program to come and have literally just a week of fun. That's awesome. We have field trips. We have people come out and do arts and crafts. We have, like, Camp Gladiator came out once oh, wow. and did a cool thing. Um, we go to a uh, main event. We go to, to iFly. We go to all these different places. Um, Ripley's Believe It or Not is oh, a big okay. one. Um, and the camp is just really a chance for these kids to move past what's happened mm-hmm. to them and to just be kids again. Yeah, yeah. And I've worked at that camp for the past three years, and um, it moves me to tears every <laughs> single time. Every single time I work with these kids, because they're so resilient, mm-hmm. and they're they want so badly to shine. And you know, the abuse that's happened to them has dulled that. It has right. dulled their shine. And when we get to bring them to camp every year, it really brings back that light into their eyes and gives them a chance just to be kids. Yeah. See, there we go. That's amazing. All right. Thank you so much to Jeff Davis at College Park Center and Molly Horn with the Alliance for Children. Um, Two uh, wonderful individuals and two wonderful organizations. I'm very happy that we got to speak with both of them. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that that last interview was a little heavy, um, but that's a heavy subject matter. And unfortunately, it's something that we live with on a day to day basis. So those kind of organizations need to exist. Yes. I mean, they're obviously, you know, it's a good thing that they do exist, but it's uh, still also very unfortunate that they have to exist. Uh, but, hey, they're helping people, and that's what, you know, that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. And speaking about people, if you want to be around people, every first Sunday at 6 p.m., Dr. Jekylls is hosting the Arlington Open Mic. And then every Monday night, starting at 7 p.m., head back over to Dr. Jekylls for their trivia night. Every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to midnight, Blitz Lounge is having a karaoke night. Go sing The Killers. People love that. People do love The Killers. Uh, And then, you know, earlier in the day on – oh, sorry. No, we're not doing that one. Every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m., Inclusion Coffee is doing their chess club. Every Wednesday night at Jambo's Barbecue, you can catch UTA Jazz Night from 5.30 to 7.30. And then every Wednesday night, right after that, from 7 to 9 p.m., head on over to Division for their trivia night. And then on Thursday night, starting at 8 p.m., One Love Lounge is hosting the Artist Love Night, a.k.a. their open mic. And while you're out there, always make sure to go out and eat local, drink local, and 
Go rediscover your city. Tag us and send those pictures over to us on Facebook, Arlington Citizen Media, Twitter, ATX Citizen Media, tag us on Instagram, Arlington Citizen Media, and send send those pictures the old-fashioned way, email arlingtoncitizenmedia at gmail.com. Also go to our website, www.arlingtoncitizenmedia.com. Don't forget to subscribe and give those five-star reviews of the downtown at Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, And also hit us on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and YouTube.